Uh, hello. Hey. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Just great. Um, welcome to episode 14. Well, 14. Of, right? Episode 14? Yep. Yes. Episode 14 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast where we watch a movie and then talk about it. The only one in existence. The only one. All the other ones, they'll watch the movie or they'll talk about them, but I feel like they don't do both. So we do both. Yes. I, uh, as the song was playing and we were starting off, I started itching my arm and there's like a bump on it. I'm not really sure what to do about it. Is it another spider bite? Or I don't think wasp? it's another spider bite. But it might be a mosquito bite. Mm-hmm. No, my day's not quite as weird as as the one where I got stung by a wasp and bit by a spider. That's good. But it's not. I I just don't know what it is. So maybe, just <gasps> maybe, I'm infected with the rage virus. Well, we'll know in ten to twenty seconds. Becca, we have to kill him now. I this don't have anything happen. sharp. We take, this we take all the records. Get the stapler. And we throw it at you like in Shaun oh, of the you're, Dead. You're going to kill me with my own record collection? That's what we have to do. Oh my God. We'll save a few of them. That's what you have to do. I feel like there's, it is. there's so many other items in this room that you could kill me with. Well, this is the closest to me, so. Yep. I left those for my children. What children? The children I plan to one day have. Not if you're infected. I'll have infected little children. Not with me, you won't. Well, you know, uh, as we learned from the movie, at some point, society's got to start over. And, you know, some people aren't willing participants, then I guess that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, but if you're an infected one, then you're just going to have to starve Mm. and die. This is not working out too well for me. My name is Andrew Westensko, and I am the host of this year podcast, joined at my right hand by Becca. Hello. And at my left hand by Sid. Hi, I'm sick. I'm sorry. Sid is actually sick. She may have the rage virus. Most definitely. Um, If she starts violently vomiting blood onto the table, then we'll know. And we'll let you know, too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't tell from the sounds of horrible blood vomit. We'll let you know before we... Uh, I mean, this isn't live by any means. I have to go back and edit this and then post it. Like, I feel like it'd be a lot of effort just to let people hear Sid die on the air. <laughs> but I suppose that's what uh, what we do. This week, oh my gosh, guys, we are really kicking our way through 31 days of October. That we are. Becca. Pretty far in. How have you enjoyed 31 days of October so far? Honestly... Not so much. It's a lot of scary movies. It's a lot of scary movies. It's a lot of nightmares I'm having. A lot of nightmares. But Becca, if uh, before we get into discussing today's film, if somebody wanted to hear us talk about other movies from 31 Days of October, where could they do that? Well, they could just find us where they find all podcasts because we have episodes. Oh my gosh. We have episodes about other movies from 31 days of october and today's movie is pulled straight from the collection of movies that uh is 31 days of october so if you don't know what 31 days of october is it's where we watch a scary movie every day for the entire month of october it's exhausting and it's a lot of fun also it's a scheduling nightmare trying to find time to watch a movie every single night 
It's very difficult. So, um, for those of you who are unable to accompany us on our full journey of 31 Days of October, you can find our little mini episodes recapping uh, the movies that we watched the week prior. Now, these episodes are actually spoiler-free, which is kind of strange for us. But we decided that rather than spoil everything, we'd give you guys an overview of the movies that we watched and let you decide if they sounded all right. But without spoiling the endings, or the middles, or most of the beginnings. Yep, just giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. A thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's, uh, it's been pretty great so far, but today we are talking about Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. We had to come back to him. We've already done, uh, oh, we started out with Slumdog Millionaire. That was our first episode ever. Mm-hmm. That's true. And we're back, we're back to Danny Boyle. Uh, Danny Boyle, of course, one of my personal favorite directors of all time. For a long time, he was my favorite. And right now I'm in flux as to who my favorite is. There's a lot of candidates and I just don't know who to pick. And literally nobody apart from me cares. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, 28 Days Later is the story of a zombie apocalypse. Can we say that? Is that safe? Yeah. 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 It's a zombie movie. The Rage. It's got Rage. Uh, some dumb uh, PETA freaks uh, break into a lab, let out some monkeys that are infected with the rage virus, which basically just makes them super aggressive and uh, murder happy. Uh, they murder some people, give them the rage virus, then those people murder other people, and basically it affects the entire United Kingdom, effectively wiping it off the map, with the exception of a few small groups of survivors. One such survivor is Jim, who we follow through his adventures. In Zombieland. This is not to be confused with the movie Zombieland. Uh, this is totally different. And well, not as funny. That's also a good one. That is a good one. If you yeah. like zombie movies, go watch Zombieland. It's pretty great. Um, Jim uh, finds love, finds family, and finds himself along the way. So we're going to spoil the heck out of this movie. It came out in 2002. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, go ahead, go watch it. Uh, Danny Boyle's a good guy, a good guy who deserves to have you watch his movies and then, uh, you know, come back and listen to us talk about it because we're going to get real deep into it. Am I right, Becca? You are right. Pretty right. Becca, what's your hot take on 28 Days Later from Mr. Danny Boyle? Hmm. My hot take. I love this movie. A lot. I've seen it a few times, but I think it's so good. And I don't love all scary movies, but this one's amazing. And I like zombie movies, so I liked it a lot. Um, Right off the bat, I think my favorite thing is the music. So I'm going to steal it from you, Andrew, because I'm sure you're going to say that. But I thought it was a great movie, and I thought the music was really effective. Amen. Sid, how hot is your hot take? I say it's pretty darn hot. Ooh, spicy. Spicy one. It's... <laughs> um, yeah, I saw this a few years ago. It was on TV and I like skipped around. Um, because I think I was expecting like a full-blown zombie movie. And I wouldn't say that this is like in the same realm as World War Z or Zombieland. Mm-hmm. It's because it's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Um, yeah, I don't know. We might talk about it later, but I just I feel like the zombies are not necessarily the plot, but the plot device and what moves the story forward. And yeah, I just think it's great. Killian Murphy's great in it. 
Great movie, all around. Pretty spicy hot take right there. Um, I'm not going to break uh, formation here. I like this movie a lot. This is one of the few movies, I think, uh, that Becca and I both enjoy, but she enjoys more. I feel like I get really excited about movies that we both like. Uh, but I think that Becca actually does like this movie more than I do. And that's not to say that it's a bad movie. Um, I definitely think it's, uh, I mean, it's by Danny Boyle. So how can you go wrong? Um, but I would put it in the bottom half of uh, Danny Boyle movies. Um, but in the top half of probably zombie movies. Because I don't think there's too many good zombie movies out there. Come at me. All right. That's fair. I just don't love zombies. Um, so maybe that's why I'm not as in love with this movie as as some other stuff. But I do think that there's a lot of things to like about this movie. Um, and I do like a lot of things about this movie. I do enjoy watching it. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about those things starting now. Um, I do love the music. But I actually do think that what really sells this movie for me is really the same thing that sells me on all Danny Boyle films, and that's the direction and the cinematography. Like he has a style that just uh, can't really be touched. And where this is one of his earlier films, he did Train Spotting before this. Um, I believe Train Spotting was before this. Am I going to eat my words here? Let's see. Um, yeah, Train Spotting. And then he did a couple of small movies that I've never seen. Um, but yeah, um, Train Spotting was kind of his big one, and then this. Um, but it's it's really fun to see. I guess the style of one of my favorite directors kind of in its infancy, right? And see how he took these instincts and these creative ideas that he had and really turns them into masterful filmmaking on things like uh, Steve Jobs and 127 Hours and that kind of stuff. So um, there are a handful of things that I want to talk about. Um, and I've kind of uh, put my notes into two different columns. Um, and that's one, what what makes this a good movie and what makes it a good zombie movie? Because I think those are different qualifiers. Um, and I think that different things fit into those two columns. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about everything. And then I wrote down some of my favorite uh, themes and then uh, why I think that Jim is an interesting character. Those are kind of the, the notes that I had. Um, but Becca, I want to jump in. I want you to talk uh, talk to me a little bit more about the music because... That's one of the things that I had on the top of my list when it says, what makes it a good movie? I think the soundtrack really is up there. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the music is just so incredibly effective. And I think like one of the first things I said while we were watching this movie was that I was like getting really nervous. I was like, I'm getting nervous even though I know what's going to happen because I've seen this movie a couple times and I love it. But I think it's the music that does that. Like, even though I know it's coming and it's not super scary necessarily, the music does a really good job of making it feel scary and, like, bringing you into the movie. And, I don't know, it's just beautiful music. Yeah. Um, one of the, I, I think, strongest sequences in the movie is when Jim first gets out of the hospital and he's running around London and it's totally empty. Um, do we have any trivia on how they filmed that? Can we look? Because I, I, I was mean, thinking about that. I was like, how would they even do this? Let me take a look. I'll get back to you. Okay. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> because it's a pretty low budget movie. Um, so I don't know. Do you just like pay London to evacuate for a day? I don't know. 
<laughs> but um, that first opening scene is actually uh, a song by my favorite band on the planet, uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor. Um, it's pulled from their first album. It's a song called uh, The Sad Mafioso. And I think that that song really sets the tone because it's really, um, I guess, I don't know if sad is the right word. It definitely fits like an apocalypse and it's so energetic and um, driving, but at the same time, like it really sets this mood and they kind of, they bring, they cut it out after he sees all of the, the posters and they bring it back when he's running away from the church. And I think that that song really sets the tone, but then the original score really just, it takes a lot of notes from that style of music. There's a lot of guitar um, and everything really just builds around kind of these central riffs. You have like the 28 theme, which is reprised in 28 weeks later, uh, which we'll be talking about briefly on one of our 20 or one of our 31 days of October episodes, because we are also watching 28 weeks later. Um and you see that musical style kind of influence things, but then it's also interspersed with these, uh, there's a couple of like hymnals in there. Um, I know that Abide With Me to Even Tide is um, over one of the scenes. And then also like the grocery store scene where it's just kind of like the poppy electronic rock. Like it just, this movie has a really eclectic soundtrack and it's kind of, it seems it's kind of all over the place, but it really works to set the mood for each of the different scenes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does exactly that, like sets the mood. Like the beginning scene, it feels like like if you woke up tomorrow and the world had ended, like that music expresses how that would feel, I think. So I like that. So I do have a bit of trivia for how they filmed in London. Yes. So they would, uh, the police would close the roads at 4 a.m. and they would start filming immediately. Uh, they would only film for an hour. Um, but they would, you know, they'd have to close down the streets and a lot of people were. Is there a spider over there? No, I'm just trying to keep my feet up okay. so that no spiders okay. touch my feet. I'm so paranoid about spiders around here. Jeez. <laughs> I don't like spiders. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, so there were still people on the roads, not as many, but what they would do to keep them from being too angry is they would have pretty women kind of direct people in traffic. And I love it. I love it so much. Uh, he even, uh, kind of pimped out his own daughter and Danny Boyle did. Danny Boyle did. Yeah. Suffer for but art, man. Wow. I guess it worked out fine. So, yeah. That's awesome. So they filmed that at four in the morning. I guess so. That's why the lighting's so cool. Yeah. That is cool. The lighting was always really cool when they're walking in the city. Mm-hmm. And like they uh, they filmed on digital, which is a lot easier than filming on film. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as difficult for them to get in and set up and get the shot. So they were able to use their time more effectively. That's so cool. Jeez. Suffering for the art, man. Getting up at, I mean, if you're filming at 4 a.m., you're getting up at 2 a.m. At, 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 at least. At, at the latest. <laughs> yeah. Man, good on London too. The city of London for allowing them to do this. That's pretty cool. Supporting the arts. Yes. Thank you, city of London. So, do you have any thoughts on the music? I thought it was great. I honestly, normally, I don't really notice the music unless I'm consciously telling myself to, um, to kind of pay attention to it. But this one, I was naturally, um, just attracted to it and naturally picked it up. 
during the scenes and I thought I never really thought that it was like super intense um you know except during the more um intense parts but I feel like it was kind of more it was more eerie than anything in most points and I felt it really kind of ramped you up for the whole setting of the movie I just thought it was great as long as we're talking about that sequence can we talk about the church for a second yes Mm -hmm. Because that's one of my, so there's this there's this subreddit out there. Anybody who follows uh, things on Reddit should go subscribe to the subreddit uh, Cine Shots is what it's called. So like C I N E Shots Cine Shots, and it's basically people just pulling individual little uh, like very pretty shots or cool shots from movies. So you'll pull like a single frame, and then people will go off and talk about how cool the movie is or how cool the shot is or what it represents or whatever. And there's that shot where he's walking up the stairs. Oh, I love it that. It just says, right. says <laughs> repent. The end is very effing nigh. Like, <laughs> or extremely, is it was extremely, extremely yeah. that's right. And like you get him on the stairs and you have that framed. I'm like, that should, that needs to go on that subreddit. So it's, I just think, it, I think that that's an incredible shot. Um, I guess for, because you're still, at that point, you're still establishing kind of the state of the world. Like, everything is empty, but like, where is everybody? You know what I mean? And then he goes, he goes out and, hello? Oh my gosh. And a few people like perk their heads yeah. up or whatever. And the priest comes charging out. It's just so good. But like, could you imagine being him, like not realizing that there's a bunch of zombies everywhere, well, just wandering? Him, when the When the priest comes out. He's like, father, father. And he hits him with the bag of cans. And he's like, I shouldn't have done that. Even yeah. as the priest is like. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, what would you do in that situation if you just woke up and were like. Yeah, because your freaking mind doesn't jump to like, oh, crap, zombie apocalypse. Bummer. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not his first thought. Like, he's still assuming these are just people when they're. I mean, they're still people. They're just infected with rage. Yeah so crazy and you it like zooms in and you see his face and it's just mm-hmm. oh my gosh yeah the makeup and everything in this movie is spectacular so good the red eyes and ah, i love it i love it i love it i love it um so then let's talk about the second thing on my list here as to why this is a good movie um and i just put here all in one line directing editing and cinematography because i think that those are three of the things that over the course of his career, Danny Boyle has really, really, really excelled at. As far as directing goes, all of his films have a very specific tone that's maintained throughout and really serves a lot of the themes. But this one, I think that uh, two of the strongest aspects were the cinematography and the editing. Um, specifically, a lot of the action scenes. Uh, because another thing that I have on my list is that this movie, while being low budget, uses its budget extremely well. And scenes that could have been, um, I guess, really complicated, whether practical or special effects or whatever. He just uses really janky camera movements to, like, get in really close to the action. So, like, I mean, you very easily just... I I, I noticed one specifically when they're um, in the basement of the house at the end. And the guy is getting attacked on the table. You know what I'm talking about? There's, like, the two zombies chowing down on him on the table. And I'm like, there's nothing happening here. I'm like, the camera's all intense, but it's just two dudes on top of another dude, and they're all screaming. Yeah. I'm like, but it's very clear what's going on. But, like, that's a smart shot that accomplishes what that scene needed to, but also, like, that shot 
didn't cost anything. You know what I mean? Like, it, there was no, like, crazy special effects that needed to be done there or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and honestly, most of the time that they are attacking zombies, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, even from the very beginning when they just, like, catch on fire and then the entire gas station explodes, you know? Like, that's that. Or, like, um, Frank, is that the Frank. dad's name? When they go to the apartment and he's killing the zombies and pushing them down the stairs Mm -hmm. like you don't really see it happen you just see the guy fall correct so i didn't like recognize that while i was watching but you mentioning that like yeah i think that's a good use of budget and use of camera work because that didn't bother me yeah well and that's the thing is that danny boyle can get away with it because that's just his style normally right he has a very kinetic style of filmmaking which is Honestly, what I think, I mean, I'm going to jump to this one a lot because I think it's my favorite Danny Boyle film. It's what makes Steve Jobs so good is because it's it's all just people talking in rooms, but he's so, like I said, he very kinetic with his camera movements and everything feels so alive. And you can really see that style being developed in this movie where he's got that, his instinct is there to do it, but it, it almost begs the question, like, did he develop that style because that's what he wanted to do or did he not have you know was he working in like budgetary constraints and he's like well if we're just like all up in their faces and people are just screaming it's going to get the point across like or even Uh you think about like when the when the monkey first attacks the PETA girl at the i don't know if they're actually from PETA. i don't mean to malign PETA any more than they deserve to be (laughs) um but when the when the monkey like charges out really all we see we get like an almost first person view of the monkey, if you guys remember, and it jumps out and gets her. Like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you just threw a camera at somebody there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's, you can definitely tell that it's a low budget film mm-hmm. when you watch it, but it works so well for the movie. Like, I almost wonder if it wasn't a low budget and they like could do all this fancy camera work or whatever. I wonder if it wouldn't not be as good. Like, I felt like the way it was filmed and edited just worked so well for the story and for the movie. Um, $8 million budget, which is actually relatively small. It grossed uh, $45 million in the U.S. <laughs> wow. On an $8 million budget. Jeez. Heavens. I remember when this movie came out. I don't know if you guys would have been maybe too young. Um so I would have been 10 when this came out. And I remember going to like Blockbuster and like seeing it on the shelf and being like, oh, that looks terrifying. What is that? Like, <laughs> but for some reason, like the cover art for it, because the original cover art is like the like biohazard symbol with like some red eyes popping out. And I was like, that looks oh, yeah. terrifying. So for yeah. some reason, when I was a kid, that like drew my attention. Hmm. So I don't know. It, it kind of was everywhere when it came out. Yeah, I kind of remember i mostly just remember yeah just the poster because it's a pretty iconic poster i think it's great but yeah i know i definitely do remember seeing yeah something about it i don't remember i was six yeah i mean and you probably didn't go to blockbuster as much as i did so (laughs) that's fair yeah um but i i think that again it's it's the same thing that i love about all danny boyle films like i said but just the directing and the cinematography and the editing and the way that they piece together these shots to make everything feel so alive and make it so exciting to watch i don't know i totally agree 
and I know I've mentioned this a few times before, but like I don't totally understand how to pick out what is good directing and what is good editing, but I feel like this one has it, and I can't really say exactly what that is, but I think it has it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so that actually kind of takes care of a couple of we we discussed a couple of my points in there all at once, um, but specifically, like I said, uh, one thing I I, I just want to mention here is that there's because of the way that it's made, uh, there really is an energy that carries this movie throughout. There's a lot of like mountains and troughs as far as like excitement goes, so like they, um, you know, it's crazy. They show up at the apartment building and everything goes nuts, and then it's calm for a minute and then they get stuck in the tunnel and everything goes crazy and then it calms down for a second. But like, even with some of these calmer moments, um, you, I feel like there's just this like spark that, like you said, I, it's kind of intangible, but it's just something really special about this movie that like, it feels like the people who are making it were really, really passionate about it. And I guess that comes through in the filmmaking for me. And that's something that's special. But it's also like, I think it has to do with the fact that it's relatively early in his career. Like you get, you watch something like a, like a Paul Thomas Anderson or like a Darren Aronofsky film or like any of these guys who are trying to like, like trying to like make high art, you know what I mean? And there's like a certain vibe to it. Like that, I don't know, you can't. I can't put my finger on it. I can't quite describe it, but there's there's almost a youthful energy to the filmmaking of this movie that you can tell that it's early on in his career and he hasn't quite perfected everything, but like he's so talented that it almost just doesn't matter and everything it just works out so well for him. Yeah, I totally agree. You get that same thing in Train Spotting, by the way, which is one that everybody should watch. Train Spotting is great. Um and then last of all, on my list of why it's a good movie, Killian Murphy. So good. Yes. So you brought up Killian Murphy in your hot take. What do you what, what do you like about his performance in this movie? I think he just has a really good character development. In the beginning we see him, he's just he's timid, he has no idea what's going on. He only cares about, you know, his family in the beginning, which, you know, is great, care about your family. But I, I just think it's great how you can see how all these things that he's had to do and realize what he really cares about and seeing how his, uh, his focus shifts. And he just, he switches from, I don't know, just kind of trying to survive and then, try, and then trying to form a relationship with Selena and taking care of her and then finding a family. I just think it's just great transformation for him. And just, he's got some beautiful, beautiful eyes. He really does. He's a handsome man. He's one of those people that, like, his eyes can either be gorgeous or horrifying. Yeah. and he, But he knows how to do that with both. Have you ever seen Red Eye? Mm-hmm. He's that was, scary. That, that was, like, the first movie that I ever, I mean, that came out when I was... That was 2005. I just looked it up. Did you just? Mm-hmm. So I, I was 13 when that came out? Yeah. I would have thought I was in high school. I don't know. Um, he's horrifying in that. That was yeah. the first. That was the first movie that I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I learned who Killian Murphy was and mm-hmm. 
<laughs> then he was in Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought he was like a villain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he plays such a good villain. He can be so creepy. Have you seen Red Eye, Becca? No. We got to watch Red Eye sometime. It's, it's great. That's a good one. All right. Um, but yeah, I think that he, again, he's earlier on in his career in this one. And I just think he does such a good job. One of the things that I love, and you could put this in the column, I guess, of why this is just a good movie as far as like writing goes. But I think it's super interesting to have him come into it 28 days later. Hey, <laughs> I was so excited. Every time that comes up on the screen, 28 days later. Like, All right, here we go. This is great. I love it when movies like stick their titles in your face yeah. or like when somebody during the course of the movie will say the title of the movie. Yeah. I love that kind of crap. <laughs> Roll credits. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that it gives him a really interesting perspective because you look at something uh, and I guess this is bleeding into why it's a good zombie movie, but you look at something like The Walking Dead, which isn't a movie, but a TV show. And like we see it from the start, right? Um, sort of. Because he wakes up in a hospital too, right? Rick does? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's maybe not the best example. <laughs> um, or something like World War Z, right? Where like we see the transformation from the beginning and like there's a whole process. But like to just like drop him into it all like discombobulated and whatever. Like I think that's a really interesting way to. It's almost like, you know, you see how much the world has changed in a month. Um, if it's February, it would be a month. I don't know. 28 days. Close enough to Whatever. a month. Close enough to a month. Um, you see how much the world has changed in a month. So he's almost like a relic of this old world where like death mattered mm-hmm. and like you loved people. And there's that scene where they're in the, uh, in the convenience store. He's like, well, what about the government? And she's like, there is no government. He's like, there's always a government. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just... There's these things that the people who have survived have just accepted, but he's still freaking out about it. And I think that's, I think he does a really good job uh, portraying that confusion for an appropriate amount of time. Because again, some movies where you get dropped into like the middle of the events, they're like, oh, zombies. Okay, cool. Zombie apocalypse. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like he stays confused for an appropriate amount of time. Yeah. Because he really doesn't get it. Until they go to his parents' house and he sees his neighbor attack, uh, what's his face? Mark. Mark. Poor Mark. And I think that's such a good reaction, too. And probably, like, the first reaction of most people was, like, that's my neighbor. I know him. And he starts saying the names of the people mm-hmm. who were attacking. And they're like, yeah, like, get get up to speed. Like, this is life. Yeah. And also, uh, great for Selena's character that moment because she tells him, she's like, I'll leave anybody behind. I'll kill anybody, whatever. And then, like, right in front of him, she hacks up Mark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. That's a great scene. So good. That's a great scene. Uh, But like I said, I think that he... I I like that he stays confused for an appropriate amount of time. But then, like, he has that moment where he realizes what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Um, On top of that... I think that he tries a lot harder than most people to uh, maintain his humanity. A lot of people, I think one of the central themes of this movie is, I guess, what a kind of the precipice that society exists on that like we're just one crazy thing away from just completely devolving into animals again. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he tries a lot harder than some of the other people, specifically Selena to like maintain his humanity. Like when they get to, um, 
the apartment building with Hannah and Mad Eye Moody. What's his name? Frank. Frank. Um, he like he has no water, but he finds it very important to shave and cut his hair. Yeah. And it's like, dude, it does, what do you do? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna grow back. <laughs> like it just doesn't matter. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, he's just like he needs that normalcy that I feel like a lot of other people have just abandoned. You know, I just think it's interesting for his character. Yeah, I like that too. Um, <laughs> and then the uh, best um, gym scene. <laughs> so they're going into the tunnel. <laughs> this is a shit idea. You know why? Because it's really that. obviously a shit idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, I don't know, it's awesome. Like, that's something that I would say as a movie watcher yeah. to the movie. Do you know why this is bad? Because it's very obviously a bad idea. Yeah. It's like, yes, <laughs> thank you. He's like, well, you. it is the most direct route. And he's like, then we take the indirect route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Um, and then the last thing that I wrote down about Jim was kind of what Sid was getting at, I think, as far as his character development. And I think that when he and Selena meet, they're obviously on very different sides of a spectrum as far as how they're reacting to the tragedy. She, like I said, kind of abandons her humanity and is like, I'll kill anybody. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Like, I just need to live. And he's like, uh, society, like, maybe a cool thing. And I feel like they, I guess, kind of take the... They, they do what any couple should do, and they take the better parts of each other and absorb them into themselves. So he gains her survival instinct and, um, I guess, her willingness to do anything to stay alive, and she gains his like faith in humanity, basically. I think that's a really interesting transformation for both characters that... Not only is there character development on both sides, but you very clearly see where they were influenced to change in those ways. I like that. Yeah, I think it's great. I think that's a perfect way of of putting it and how it was very slowly and very scatterbrained was getting to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think like was kind of mentioned earlier, um, like, this is more a movie about relationships than it is about zombies, for sure. Mm-hmm. And specifically, Jim and Selena's relationship and, like, how that is anybody's relationship. So I did, like, their develop- character development and their relationship. Yeah. Well, and in that way, um, I mean, th- th- this movie isn't a romance by any means, but it makes sense why they would, I guess... Th- develop romantic feelings for one another and not only because of like last man on earth syndrome right yeah um but like they they see these positive qualities in each other and learn to develop them and and change well they have to protect each other like when you have to like spend that much time with someone and protect them and help them like you're gonna get close to them 100 percent. and also who wouldn't fall for those crystal blue eyes seriously no one i'd probably be good yeah okay let's get you in the same room as (laughs) killian murphy and we'll see how you hold up i would look him in those blue eyes and be like i've seen your penis (laughs) (laughs) so is that a bad thing and he would look at me and he'd be like okay and i'd say unimpressed and then (laughs) 
mic drop. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh boy. Spoiler alert: You see Killian uh, Murphy's dick in this movie. So. In the first two minutes. Yep. If you've watched the first few minutes, you've seen it. Yep. Um. Let's see. Those were my things I had to say about Jim as a character. Do you guys have anything else to add on that? Just that all of my favorite scenes in this movie involve Jim. Because most of the scenes do, but like... I mean, he is the lead. Yes, yes. But like, specifically just Jim being awesome. Yeah. Dude, I gotta tell you, we're two weeks in a row on movies that just make me go... (laughs) (laughs) I kind of figured that's what this one was gonna be. There's a few... There's just a few scenes that I'm just like... Specifically the ending, which we'll get to. We'll talk about the ending... We'll give it some some time on its own because yes. we are going to go through our favorite scenes. Okay, good. Oh, so, um, but let's talk about um, those are a few of the things that make it just a good movie all around. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what makes it a good zombie movie. I'm gonna go ahead and steal your first point that Please I see on your notes Please because do it. that's what I have on my notes. I think what makes this movie so effective as a zombie movie is that it's incredibly believable. Like, I totally believe that scientists could be experimenting on monkeys and give them some kind of infection, like the rage. I mean, that's how we got AIDS. Sure, yeah. Well, no, we got AIDS, we got AIDS from monkeys. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Not scientists experimenting on monkeys, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> What were they doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's how AIDS happened. I didn't know that. It's what, horrible. Did I, know that? I don't think I did know that. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Becca. Actual scientists. Yeah. With mo- Anyway. Never mind. So you're saying <laughs> this, is, this is science AIDS is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Except it's the rage. rage. But like all of that is so believable. Like that could totally happen. And... So that's what makes it like so awesome is because it's just like, yep, like that's real. I believe that that could happen. Everything like makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because they are technically zombies, but they're also not. Yeah. Like it's really just an infection. Yeah. Which is also what makes it so like scary is because it's like, this is just an infection, but this could happen. Yeah. I mean, some sort of neurological thing that just... I guess activates the anger centers in your brain, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm no scientist. And then also that it would spread that fast. Like if you think about like chaos or things happening, you know, like everybody tends to go to the same place to try to get out, but that's where it would spread. Well, we'll get flu season. How fast does the flu go around? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Imagine if you just had to bite somebody's face off to give them the flu. (laughs) Everybody would have it. Yeah, we'd all have bitten off faces. Well, you'd be a zombie, so it didn't matter. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that was the first thing on my list is that the it's a good zombie movie because it's it's believable. It's not like, you know, The Walking Dead, which is like, oh. There's something in the air. Something in the air. <laughs> something. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all of a sudden, when people die, they become zombies. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's not like you have to kill the brain to kill the zombie. 
yeah. it's like not super difficult to kill the zombie. You just have to kill the Wait, person. Because they're just people. Like yeah. you just have to kill the person. Yeah. One thing I really liked, I think this works on both as just a zombie movie and just a regular movie. I really like how they just kind of spell out how this infection came and how it started. Because I feel like in most movies, they're, the whole point is to figure out where did this infection start? How do we stop it? How do we help people? And I think this just really kind of, from the get-go, you know what's going on. Okay, cool. You can focus on the story and the characters. And I think that's great for it. Yeah, it's, like, not at all about, like, how are we going to cure this? It's just, like, well, all these people are dead. Just got to outlive them so that we can keep living. Mm -hmm. And there's no, like you said, Sid, like, there's not, like, flashbacks and flash forwards or whatever to, like, help you understand the background. It just tells you the background right in the very beginning in the first two minutes. Well, Becca, you touched on uh, one of my favorite themes in the movie, which is the difference between surviving and living. And I think it explores that in kind of interesting ways. Um, I mean, I don't think that it's like breaking new ground as far as philosophy on that goes or whatever, but you see Selena at the beginning and she's, you know, surviving is as good as it gets anymore. And like, um, it's kind of interesting how Frank and Hannah show her, I guess why that's not necessarily true. Um, and I think that, one of the strongest lines in the movie does come from Hannah and it's when they're on the balcony and they're talking and she's like, but we'll just go out there and die. And Hannah's like, or we die here. Yeah. Like either way, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> like we might as well <laughs> give it a shot. And I think that that, I guess, highlights the difference in their mentalities. And I do think that it's because of, um, I mean, obviously Hannah lost her mom. We don't get specified if it was from the zombies, do we? No, it doesn't explain it or talk about it at all. So at some point, Hannah's lost her mom and I guess a lot of friends and family, but like she has her dad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like she's looking forward where like for a lot of the movie, Selena is just looking at the present and that's why she's so angry because the present sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Like majorly sucks. Um, but that connects to um, another one of the reasons why I think this is such a good zombie movie, and that's that it has like it's it's got a very alive beating heart to it. Um, it's got these these characters at the center of it who feel very alive and like they're acting in ways that people would actually act and all of that. And I think that that goes back to what I was talking about that it has that energy. Um, like I said, almost a youthful energy going through the filmmaking and the acting and all of it. But it it's it has a lot of heart for how, I guess, few characters there are and, and really how little happens. I mean, like, yeah, we have events, but, like, not a whole lot happens, really. Yeah. Like, we run, we escape zombies. We run, we escape zombies. Okay, now we found the army. And, Becca, you said this when we were watching it, that the last, the last act really almost feels like its own movie because that's the first time that we break in formula from mm-hmm. like, oh, there are zombies, run. Okay, we survived. Oh, there are zombies, run. Okay, we survived. And then the third then actually the switches it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the conflict changes yeah. for sure. And the zombies stop being the most dangerous thing on the screen. Yeah. Um, but that's another reason why I thought this made such a good zombie movie is because the zombies are actually threatening. Yeah. They can run. 
<laughs> but for real, like I, I Loki can't stand slow zombies. Mm-hmm. They're just not threatening. You just you just walk away. Yeah, I think it's boring. Well, yeah. the one scene that I mean, all of the scenes with the zombies are kind of really scary. But when they're running up the stairs in the up to the apartment, and Jim is like, "I have no energy. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm out of breath." But the zombies are just like booking it. Like yeah. They just somehow have all the, like, they're so strong and have all this energy and power and can just run up the stairs. It's like they're just filled with adrenaline all the time. And they're not just, like, stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they're just amped up people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like in movies and TV shows where there's slower zombies, you really only get in trouble if you're stupid. And you end up in situations where you're surrounded by zombies. But this one, like, even... I mean, yeah, they do dumb stuff, but there are points where they're smart about things and they still get in trouble because they're just so yeah. fast and terrifying. Yeah, but like these ones, they'll hunt you down. Like it's not like they're just exploiting mistakes. Like, is like at the end, all she does is back up the car, and the zombie breaks the glass because he knows that somebody's in there. Like, give me a break. Yeah. And even like, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't push it, but even at the end when Jim lets the zombie soldier go he like waits and makes eye contact with him it's almost like there's an understanding there like a thank you mm-hmm. yeah like well, i don't think that these zombies are totally mindless and like so many of those scenes in that um last house where the zombies are running from room to room and mm-hmm. like the one where he's standing in front of the mirror and like looking at himself or like i don't know you can tell that they're not just mindless zombies like yeah. They're just so hyped up and angry. And like when you think about it, like when you are hyped up, like people, when we're hyped up, like you can't think as well. Yeah. And so it just makes sense that they're just hyped up people. Yeah. And then last on my list is that the world feels really empty. I like how quickly everything has happened in this movie. Yeah, Um, I had that written down too. That like the world went from being normal to like, just dead in a month which is a reasonable amount of time for that to happen if something like this happens yeah for sure and i think it's really impressive how empty the world feels especially on a low budget in london yeah (laughs) i feel like it's very unsettling because in a zombie movie you'd expect there to just be zombies everywhere especially in the middle of london but it's just it's uh yeah it's just very creepy and unsettling feeling watching that well, and it literally never shows, um, like, a flashback to any big crowd with zombies or with the rage. Like, you hear about them. And, yeah, and, you like, you picture them. Like, I, I almost feel like I saw it because they describe scenes really well, but it doesn't show any of them. I think the only one that it really describes it is Mike's family, right? Is that his name? Mike? Mark. Mark. Oh, Mark. Yeah, when they're at Paddington Station. I guess that's true, but I guess that's just the main one that I was referring to. It's like yeah. you think about what happened, but it never actually shows it. Mm-hmm. But you can believe that it happened. Yeah. I think that's partly why um, 28 Weeks Later feels so different. Is that world feels alive and this world feels dead. Yeah. Well, because in this world, I mean, not to go too much into 28 Weeks Later at all. But in this world, for most of the movie, you think it's literally the entire world that was affected. Who do you guys believe? 
because Selena says that there were reports of infections in Paris and New York. I was thinking about that, and I don't think it's I don't true. know. I don't. I don't think it's true either. I don't think it's true. I think it's just the UK. How how would that even happen? How would they let someone with the rage on a plane yeah. and then fly that plane and make it to New York? Yeah. Without everybody dying. Yeah, I don't think it can happen. I think it's just the UK. Yeah, I think so too. That's my theory. Well, that, I mean, goes into the second movie. It was just the UK. Yeah, it's true. Um, so those are my notes on why it's a good zombie movie. Before we just get into straight up saying, I liked this, I liked that. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw out there? Themes? Uh, I guess any elements of craft that you enjoyed? I really liked the the switching from the lighthearted scenes and the more intense ones. Because even in the lighthearted scenes with the music and, I don't know, just kind of the ambiance, you never really feel comfortable watching it. Um, there were scenes where, like, even when they're just, like, sitting by the fire, I was just like, oh, something's going to happen. Something's, nothing happens. So I think it's just very good at, it kind of gives you a little bit of relief, but not enough that you feel like they're out of the woods. Yeah. Well, and even, like, the fact that none of them can sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, you can just, you can really feel their their anxiety and it really transfers well to the audience it's true it does one beef i have with the movie i know and i think it's mostly just because it's a low budget movie but is in the end when they're driving away from the house and it's like they're coming up to the gate and they're like oh no it's locked what are we gonna do and they like put their seatbelts on and go through the gate and it like freezes and then it says 28 days later and it's like another month later and they're like that is a little fine weak. yeah it's just like especially with everything that happened before like they're like oh we're really close to manchester and there's this huge fire so all of these zombies are in the woods like they're not safe so and i talked about this on the slumdog millionaire podcast if you guys can think back 14 weeks yeah um <laughs> The Danny Boyle has, like, his movies will end with the good guys winning, like, to a fault. Yeah. And I feel like he wanted to wrap it up in a way that was pleasant, but, like, didn't have another hour to work with. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, that would be my biggest beef, I think. Like, I, I like how it ended, but it just doesn't explain how they got out. And that would be like the biggest obstacle in the entire movie, I think is them getting out because sure. They killed all these people and they're out, but they're not out. They have to get through so many. Where do they find this lake house with a sewing machine and And canned food and (laughs) yeah, it's like he, and I, I, like I said, that's just kind of a characteristic of Danny Boyle that I think you kind of have to accept if you're going to enjoy his movies is that, they will end with the good guy winning, like even, like you have, even if you have to do some jumps of logic, like the fact that she should, like in in Slumdog Millionaire when she so- shows up to the train station like in just the right amount of time, yeah, and like um, even in Sunshine, like also starring Killian Murphy, oh yeah, um, <laughs> spoilers for Sunshine, he, uh, you know, kills the bad guy at the end and. It's, like succeeds in the mission right yeah. 127 hours like he gets out and has all these positive feelings towards his friends and family or whatever when like 
Now, this is all, I mean, this is anecdotal, but, like, from what I understand, the dude's actually kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, Steve Jobs, like, the end. He has that scene where he, like, makes up with his daughter where, like, Steve Jobs <laughs> was just a piece of crap. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no matter how unrealistic it is, like, he will always end his movies on a positive note and, like, the good guy winning. Yeah. And uh, so I think that that's just something you have to accept with him. And, um... But again, I, I do agree with you. Like, it's kind of it's kind of cheap because they do so much and they get through so much. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, now we're at a lake house. And we're all fine because the zombies can't find us here. Yeah. And like Jim got shot and like. But like he's a, he's just OK. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's just like whether, too many holes whether, in it. He, like whether he gets shot or not doesn't have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he could have not gotten shot, and things would have been exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. And one other beef I have. It's not, I, I don't care that much about it. But Frank dies because a little drop of blood falls directly into his eyeball. Yeah, bad luck. <laughs> but Selena starts making out with Jim, he's and he's got blood, blood all over him. <laughs> and oh. She's fine. Yeah. Like... She didn't get any in her mouth, apparently. Apparently. Neither did he, as he gets covered in blood. I mean, it was all, like, not infected people blood, but some of it had mm. to be zombie blood. Probably. I, I don't know. I agree. Those are valid beefs, though. Yeah. Yeah. For so, sure. those would be the main things, and they're just little things. I feel like with Frank's, like, I don't know, it's kind of a cool scene. Like, I, I liked it because it's, like just this crow and like this drop of blood i don't know that was kind of cool but also like that doesn't happen it's not yeah. just gonna fall right into his eyeball yeah, for sure um oddly enough uh where your beefs are with the writing this movie was written by alex garland director of ex machina and annihilation huh. he also wrote sunshine oh all right <laughs> that's a good reaction <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's get into the uh just saying things that we liked part of the podcast <laughs> yes. so i already um my two favorite sequences we kind of already talked about which are the opening sequence uh, the, not the opening the second sequence when he's in the hospital and then the godspeed song comes on and the church and just that whole thing from when he wakes up to when they get to the convenience store i love that entire sequence and then when he goes home um, and sees his parents and the note that she that his mom left him where she just signs it don't wake up mm -hmm. like ooh, it just gives you a little <laughs> bit of a shiver yeah makes some people cry okay i'm sick i was <laughs> sniffling because i'm sick i think she but was it, sniffling because she was crying okay. it was a very touching excuses moment, um, and then lastly, uh, one of my favorite shots of the film is uh, when they're driving and you can see Manchester burning. And it's just a gorgeous shot. I think it is a gorgeous shot, but also that one felt a little cheesy, I think, because it shows the car driving and they've already talked about Manchester burning. So, you know, like, oh, it's burning, but it takes forever to actually show you. It's just like they're still on the road. They're still on the road, and like the camera's just shifting up, and up, and up, and then finally you see it. That's fair. But it was a cool shot once you actually saw it. Um, 
what are you guys' favorite scenes? Because those are my favorite scenes. So we already discussed them. What are, what are you guys' favorite scenes? I agree with the first sequence once it starts with him waking up in the hospital. I think that's my second favorite sequence. My first favorite sequence is just when Jim goes crazy, mostly. Like, (laughs) so, so good. Just like from the moment he decides to run away when they're going to kill him until the end, really. Well, until they are driving away in the car. But like, it's just raining and he's got blood on his face and he's not wearing a shirt and his head's all shaved and. He just has this evil, not evil look, but, like, the thing that's so cool about that sequence to me is that, like, he looks like he has the rage, you know? Like, yeah. he's he's well, running Selena around like a crazy him. person. Yeah. Same with know. Hannah. She doesn't know. Yeah, Hannah tries, too. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I just think it's cool to see, like, real rage compared to the infection rage in that scene. Yeah. Also, my third favorite scene is just one scene, and it's when um, Jim has to kill the little boy in the mm-hmm. at the rest stop. And I think that's a really important scene for his character because that's the only person he kills up until the end and the last scene. Like, that's the first person he has to kill, and it's a little boy. And it's just so good. And, like, the way the little boy, like, it, it's, like, silent. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. Yeah. Anyway. I think that's it's a big good. turning point for his character there. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, My favorite scene. I would say probably my favorite scene was the tunnel scene. Ooh, that was good. You were, you were stressing out during that scene. I was, but that was a good one. Just like, like I've, when I was reading through the trivia, you know, they were alluding to the tunnel scene mm-hmm. and like I, I'd known about this scene before, but just, like, actually sitting down and watching it, like, you see the rats come running, and they're just, like, hurrying, and they're, like, holding up the car to change the tire, and then you see the silhouette of all the infected running, and they're just coming so fast. Oh, that was so scary. And then, um, just that one split moment right before the the infected soldier breaks through the window, and he just turns oh around, gosh. and his eyes are just oh, red. Oh, the lightning. Oh yeah, my gosh! So oh, it's just a split second, but it's so freaking amazing! Oh my gosh! That's actually in both of those scenes that you just mentioned. Like in the tunnel, it shows yeah. an infected right up at the oh, car, right. and it shows that. the eyes and the face, and then they drive away. Yeah. And then I think that. yeah, what I really like about those scenes is you know these zombies are always moving so fast, you never really get like a good look at them. But I think in those scenes, you can just like really just taken how much the rage infection has really changed them i think it's awesome yeah so cool so cool like so so many things about this movie is just like it just said (laughs) like it's cool it's like it's more cool to me than scary i think yeah yeah no I, i i love this movie i do I do love this movie. Again, and that says more about Danny Boyle's catalog than it does about this movie that I would put it in uh, the bottom half of my ranking of Danny Boyle movies um, because this is a fantastic movie. But if you enjoyed this, um, you know, let's get into final thoughts because that's what I'm that's where I'm going with this. So since I'm already talking, I'm going to make Becca not go first this time. All right. Thank I'm gonna you. Go first I here. appreciate that. Um, 
I enjoy this movie a lot. So like I said, uh, the fact that I put it in the bottom half of Danny Boyle movies says more about his level of talent than it does about the quality of this movie. Uh, because I love this movie and it's a blast to watch. Uh, I include it. I think I've included it every year so far in 31 days of October. Uh, this is year five of 31 days of October for me. Um, and I think it's been included every year. So I watch it at least once a year and I can't get enough of it. Um, big fan. If you enjoyed the style of this movie and not just the content, please do yourself a favor. Go out and watch uh, the rest of Danny Boyle's, at least his major films. So go watch like 127 Hours and Slumdog Millionaire and Sunshine and Steve Jobs especially. Because like I said, I do think that's probably my favorite Danny Boyle movie. Um, although that, that might be... Um, a, a less popular opinion. I think a lot of people pick Train Spotting, but whatever. Um, I want to give this movie an eight point All right, Sid. Oh boy, we're gonna let okay. Becca finish this off. Today. <gasps> yes. Um. Okay. Yeah, I love this movie. I think it was so great. I think it's very different in terms of a zombie movie. I think it breaks a lot of the normal tropes that you see in those. I think it it does very well with mixing um, and balancing the zombie action part, the awesome part, and mixing it with the kind of heart of the story and the actual storyline. I think it's, yeah, just a great balance of it. I think all the acting is great in it. Killian just is Killian's killing Killian killing it. Killing it. <laughs> um yeah, I just think it's a great one and I would give this one oh shoot probably an 8.1. All right, I get to go last. This is weird. <laughs> um again, I love this movie. I think it's a really good movie, not just a scary movie, but like a good movie. And I think when a horror film can be just a good film, then I like it a lot more. But this one was really good. I love the music. I love the cinematography. I love the story. It's believable. Um, I think I liked it a lot more than you guys liked it. I would give it an 8.6. Wow. Yes. So on the Western scale, we're falling in the low eights, I think. Yeah, probably around 8.3. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, again, this is part of our uh, larger, more overarching series of 31 Days of October. Uh, you can find our mini episodes going up every Wednesday for the month of October, uh, discussing the movies that we're watching uh, throughout the week. And don't worry, if you can't watch every single movie, those episodes are going to be spoiler-free. So you don't have to worry about us spoiling a week's worth of movies. We're just going to tell you which ones are really worth your time. And that's how that goes. Um, moving on last of all, and we'll keep this one short because most of the stuff we, that Becca and I at least have been watching um, is for 31 Days of October. Uh, but other topics uh, specifically... Please excuse me. Holy <laughs> cow, that was involuntary burp right there. Um, uh, the biggest thing that we've been watching, like I said, is 31 Days of October. Um, but one thing I want to mention... And we'll talk about this uh, later in the year in depth. But Becca and I went and saw A Star is Born. <laughs> so did Sid. Did you go see it too, Sid? Woo, 
Yes, I did. Holy heavens, people. <gasps> Amazing. What a flick. I'm still crying. It's incredible. Can we all oh, say that? Yes. Go see it. Everybody. Anyone. I don't care who you are. Go so watch take this, this movie. So this is our official recommendation to go see A Star is Born. Ugh. Because it, as cheesy as you might think it might be, it's not. Like, I would say of all the movies that I've seen this year, this one could be enjoyed by the most people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that we're starting off Oscar season on a high note. Yeah. yeah. A high note. Because they sing. <gasps> I wish I could hit that high note. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. But that's and we the... probably shouldn't have any spoilers. No, we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to say new. anything. But we are going to say it's so freaking good. And you should go see it. We'll probably make you cry, but also just make you happy. I think by the time this episode comes out, it should still be in theaters. Yes. Yeah. So. Go see it. Yeah, go see it. Uh, Sid, have you watched anything else of note? Um, I saw Venom today. Not of note, but I just wanted to throw it I've in there. I've heard horrible things it was, about Venom. It was okay. It was fine. The script was terrible. I was laughing throughout. But like in serious scenes, I was just laughing and my mom was getting kind of annoyed with me. Um, what else have I watched? I've actually been doing a lot better on my list lately, so Look I'm... Look at you go. I know, I'm very proud of myself. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I watched Stars Born. Uh, I watched Birdcage. What on earth is that? It's, a uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. They, like, play a gay couple, and they... <laughs> they... <laughs> See, from the get-go, it's already pretty good. And they, their son is um, about to marry a daughter of a Republican senator. So they like have to put on a front that they're not this super flamboyant, amazing gay couple. So that was really good. Um, oh, what else have I seen? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the most important lately. Cool. Well, if you want to know about the other movies we've been watching, again, go check out our mini episodes about 31 Days of October, where you can get recommendations for horror movies. Basically, on those episodes, we're going to say, if you like X type of horror movie, you should watch this one. So, um, but I think that's it. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Guys, um, this has been episode 14, Baker's Dozen. And Andrews does it. Uh, we watch movies and then talk about them. Um, you can find us online at facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them. You can find us on Instagram at movies we watch. Um, slide into the DMs, guys. If you, there's a movie that you want us to talk about on the podcast or any other topic, we're happy to, I guess, take any questions or hot takes or opinions you guys have and discuss them amongst ourselves. So, like I said, you have anything you want us to discuss slide into the dms otherwise we thank you for your time and for hopefully enjoying this discussion of 28 days later uh my name is andrew i'm becca i'm sid oh next week where's the paper <laughs> we found the paper oh shut your mouth no way <laughs> next week is a big one boys and girls holy crap okay here's the thing call your mom tell her that next week we're going to be talking about the Tree of Life. Ooh. This is episode 15. That's ne- going to be, that's that's gonna be that's episode 15. Yeah. So we decided to... 15 seems like the first actual milestone. Um, 
And here's the thing. The Tree of Life is most likely, almost definitely, my favorite film of all time. So Maybe even the best film of all time. It's up there, for sure. That's hard to say because so many films have been made. It's true. But Even better than good. Blade Runner 2049? Yes, absolutely. Hands down, yes. So here's the thing. This movie is leagues ahead of even other Perfect Ten movies. I... It's a 15. On this the mo- yeah, this movie is a 15 out of 10. No joke, though. Seriously, like, Terrence Malick, a lot of his filmography is really worth your time, but he did something really special with this one. So next week, we're going to be talking about The Tree of Life, my favorite movie of all time. And this is how you can know that it's an important movie, because, first of all, we got all the way to the end of the episode before mentioning Blade Runner 2049. There you go. And second of all... Andrew just brushed right past that mention and continued <laughs> talking about the Tree of Life. So we actually, uh, we own two copies of the Tree of Life. So. <laughs> but not two copies of Blade Runner 2049. That's because you won't let me buy the 4K one. It's because we don't have a 4K TV. No, it's because uh, I had a copy of Tree of Life and then Criterion did their re-release. So I bought that. So go watch the movie. Yeah, Tree of Life, you don't want to miss it. It's... Um, You've never seen a movie like it unless you've seen it. I'll say that. That's true. Um, so there we go. Next week, The Tree of Life, directed by Terrence Malick. I'm very excited. I can't wait. It's going to be uh, kicking off our kicking off November. So we'll come out of the 31 days of October and go straight into esoteric, existential, crazy art films. Because that's what you do after <laughs> Halloween. Yep, that's what you do. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we love you. We love you. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Tell your mom to listen. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya.